0: Hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to mobilize. mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people. friends, communities, communities activists, activists who have decided to stand, to stand up, resist, 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 resist. resist. fight back, mobilize. mobilize. Each day, together. Together.
1: together, we shine a light on the we
0: truth. A light on the we truth. focus
1: on the things that unite us.
0: We, we pull, pull each together. other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared day. humanity. Episode 4. Protest at JFK. On January 28th, I woke up and read the news about the Muslim ban, and I just, I was so angry. It was so wrong, so un-American. I knew that I had to do something. I had to go to JFK. I ran through different scenarios in my head about what it might be like going to, I don't know, baggage claim or something, with a sign, I guess, or yelling. I thought about how serious airport security is and the risk involved. So as my mind was racing and my outrage was battling with my common sense, I guess, I logged onto Facebook and I saw a post or an event or something that basically said, screw it, it's time to shut down JFK, see you at Terminal 4. Within minutes, I saw hundreds of other people, other decent human beings other people for who this was just too much not to do something about, state their intent to go. I called a couple friends and my cousin Noel, and we agreed to go out to the airport together as soon as we could. Other friends and acquaintances started texting and Facebook messaging and emailing and calling me, letting me know they would be there too. By the time we got to JFK, sometime in the afternoon, there was a sizable crowd, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Participating in such a powerful, and for me at least, spontaneous act of resistance was one of the most empowering experiences I've had since this whole violent, horrible disaster of a presidency. The feeling of joy everyone shared when we heard that the ban had been stayed. I decided to reach out to the organizer of the Facebook event, Audrey Sage, to see if she would be willing to talk about her experience and how she organized so many people so quickly and effectively. What I was not expecting was for Audrey to be a 25-year-old grad student, a self-described newbie organizer, with just as many questions and insecurities as I have. But that's part of what makes her and the resistance so inspiring. We're in it together. People just like you and me. And as Audrey demonstrated, all it takes is a little determination, a little gumption, and we... The people can change the course of history. Hello? Hello. Hey. Hey, this is great. Um, So um, the only thing I would say is I'm getting a little bit of an echo. Are you playing me through speakers?
1: I am. Should I do headphones?
0: Yes. Is that possible?
1: Yes. Yes. Let Let me do this.
0: And thanks for taking the time.
1: Wait, can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, that's great. So thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, What I think is fun is I've never met you in real life, but (laughs) (laughs) I I have internet met you. And we shared a moment in history. (laughs) I was at a protest you organized. Do you want to ask some questions before we dive in?
1: Uh, No, I guess we can just dive in. That's fine. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) So who are you? What's your name? What do you do?
1: (laughs) Um... Um, my name is Audrey. I I guess on social media, I'm Audrey Sage, but my full name is Audrey Sage Lorberfeld. And I'm currently, so I'm the digital technical specialist at the New York Academy of Medicine's library. It's a very long (laughs) title.
0: So if you could just tell me what were the events that led up to you deciding to go to JFK to protest?
1: Um, let's see what led up to it. general frustration and malaise um, i oh where do i start i guess i went to the women's march with my mom and one of my best friends and her mom and i was sort of expecting something different than what i found when i got there i was glad i went and i think it was an awesome show of solidarity but it seemed more like um i don't know like a breast cancer walk or an aids walk or something the mood was really positive and Not that that's a bad thing, but it seemed more like a solidarity march than a protest against a delusional demagogue. (laughs) And so I came back from that slightly. I wasn't disappointed, but I just wanted more.
0: You wanted more. What did you want?
1: I don't know. More direct protesting and more positive aggression, if there's something as that. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I don't want people to walk around angry all the time, but it would be awesome if we could direct our energy to something more positively critical, more, more, yeah, I mean, I guess more angry if anger didn't usually like blind people and make them crazy. Um, So I came back sort of restless. And then I think the next day was when Trump reinstated the global gag rule, which I've since learned pretty much every Republican president has done during the first month of his um, presidency. But I don't know, it just struck a chord because I had just gone to Washington and marched with all these women and it was great. and. It was just, it added to my frustration with the vibe of the march. Um, It just made it all seem even more sort of pointless. And I was just really, I don't know, feeling down about everything. And I guess I woke up um, Saturday morning, I guess it was. And I checked my Twitter and I saw the immigration ban and I just kind of lost it. I was like, can I I swear on here?
0: Yeah, you can swear on here. Okay.
1: (laughs) I was like, fuck this. This is fucking insane. This guy... I just can't even, it's just unconstitutional. It's insane. I mean, people with green cards being detained at airports is just, the only adjective is insane. And so I went on Twitter and I was like looking for outlets to protest that day and I didn't find any. And then so I just said, Fuck this! Let's go to JFK. I'm willing to organize if people are willing to show up.
0: Why were you willing to make that leap? You don't seem like someone who normally takes direct action. Like,
1: yeah, you're right. I normally don't take direct or organize direct action. Um, previously, I'd only been to like maybe three or four protests around New York City, and I just got—I don't know. I so I'm a librarian, and so you know, a huge part of my job is organizing things. And I feel like, you know, if I have this skill set and I'm frustrated, why am I just bitching on Twitter to my echo chamber? This is stupid. I should do something. And I think the immigration ban was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I just got, I basically just got really frustrated. I mean, it was really as simple as that. A bunch of people showed support for the ideas, and I created the Facebook event for the JFK protests.
0: That's really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about how being a librarian, the situation that you that you saw through a librarian's lens?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess, um, yeah, when I first made the Facebook invite, um, I think it was in the description of the event, or maybe it was, you know, when I I first posted on the wall. But I posted in there about five or six unbiased news articles about the immigration ban. Cause I, and I said, guys, if you talk to the press or if you talk to anybody or your family members, like you better fucking know what you're talking about. So I posted all these articles and I was like, so we're all informed, please read these. So that I felt like was librarian esque (laughs) and, um, And the original Facebook event was to shut down JFK because I had been closely following sort of the Antifa protests and their tactics. And I definitely wasn't well versed in that, but I definitely wanted to create an obstacle to the daily movements of society in some way. I didn't just want to sort of have another women's march where we just march and sing songs and, I don't know, smile at each other and thank the cops and stuff. And so I made the Facebook event shut down JFK or something, and then um the description of it was sort of this manifesto of me just being really angry and and saying what needs to change. And I figured, oh, it can't be that hard to organize a protest." And I was extremely wrong. <laughs> and uh, pretty much five minutes after making the Facebook event, as the numbers of attendees kept growing, um, I got, you know, message after message after message from people being like, who are you? Like, why should we, you know, quote unquote, follow you into battle?
0: Well, hold up. Can we just go back a little bit? Yeah. Um, I I think that's kind of crazy. You're talking about, so you posted and then five minutes later, you're getting tens, if not like, you know, dozens of messages from strangers. What was that like?
1: Well, seeing a lot of people RSVP, yes, or attending or interested or whatever it is on Facebook. was more terrifying, I think, than, than exciting. I mean, it was exciting initially, and then I was like, holy fuck, I'm now like the person to contact about this protest, and all these people are coming, and I have no idea who they are, and they have no idea who I am. And like, oh my God, what did I just do?
0: <laughs> At this point, how many people were coming?
1: Probably like, maybe like 500. <laughs> and I think, I know, I know. know No. Oh my God. I have like, I mean, New York is so hard to make friends. I have like five friends. It's like ridiculous. I, and I think the final number was like close to like 2000 or something. I, it was insane. Um, I got, you know, message after message after message from people about like safety, sort of like, are you associated with an organization? That was like the one question. And I would say, no, I'm just a pissed off citizen And they would be really skeptical of that. And now I understand why, because, you know, as a citizen who doesn't have an organizational structure behind her, I didn't really have any pull with any type of security for the protests, like to keep the protesters safe. And that made people really nervous. And it made me really nervous. And then the other thing I got in a bunch of messages was about, again, safety, but more on the legal side. So basically they were saying, did you know that an airport is not public. Like you can't just go to an airport. It's, it's controlled by Homeland security. It's not controlled by the NYPD. It's like a huge deal. If you get arrested at an airport, it's like a felony. It's like this, you know, it's this whole different arena. Like you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what are you doing basically? (laughs) And they just kept growing like every minute. And I kept being like, Oh my God, do I delete it? But then if I delete it, people are going to like be, it was just so overwhelming. And eventually There's this guy, um, his name is Luke, and he reached out to me and he helped me so much. He got me in touch with the workers' union at JFK. So I spoke on the phone with them about sort of the legality of it and the security of it. And they connected me to more people. And then somebody, um, I work with a a local um, sort of social justice-oriented group of librarians and archivists. And so...
0: And what's that called?
1: It's called Radical Reference. There's a bunch of branches all over the country, but um, yeah, ours is the New York City one. And when they saw the event on Facebook, and I think I also emailed the mailing list about it, I too got like sort of the same emails in a more friendly way because they all know me, but they're sort of like, hey... (laughs) you're really new at this what are you doing <laughs> but it, it eventually ended up being a good thing i got on the phone with one of the members who's really active in direct actions and she gave me um information about the national lawyers guild so i actually submitted a form to have a national lawyers guild legal observer there with our protest and i think it was like 40 minutes after i submitted the form the nlg person called me and so then we had our legal observer and so that sort of put all the worries the warriors at ease who had initially emailed me being like, who are you, what organization are you affiliated from? Like what sort of safety precautions are you taking? All of these things. And so when I posted the thing about the National uh, Lawyers Guild observers being there with us, I think the RSVP's steadily grew after that and i felt better about it
0: can you this all happened incredibly incredibly fast um yeah it was like an hour (laughs) so can you explain like how did you get so much done in an hour what why did you get so much in an hour
1: yeah um basically i don't know i felt like i was like i i was just on speed i was just like i was on my computer i was on my phone I was like typing things in my computer. I was like filling out the NLG form as I was on the phone with like the union guy. And then I was getting messages. And
0: I mean, were you frustrated that did you were you frustrated that you weren't at JFK yet? Like, can you talk about just like what, what was going through your head in terms of like time and needing to get there?
1: Yeah, well, so I said 2 p.m. for our protest, um, which actually worked out really, really well. So something I wanted to preface all of this with is that there was an original protest, which I didn't know about when I made the Facebook event, but which somebody forwarded to me. Um, And that was by the New York Immigration Coalition and Make the Road and all of these immigration rights groups. Um, And they were working together at the ACLU. And so they were already on the ground at JFK starting at like 11 a.m., and so without them laying the groundwork, and they also had legal observers, and they got Congress um, people. I think they had they had Nadia an uh, Velasquez, and they had a councilman. And so they really were like the organizers. Without them initially on the ground, I really, really don't know if I would have had the balls to, to bring people there.
0: But you did, because you didn't even know they existed, and you had already gotten how many people to commit to come? <laughs>
1: yeah it was a lot of people
0: okay so you got your legal observer and yeah
1: so um they actually called me um the nlg people and that made me feel a lot better too um because they sort of just were you
0: surprised that they called you
1: i was so surprised i i mean i you know you fill out these forms online and you never expect that anybody's gonna read them let alone get back to you and i put on the form like urgent time sensitive in all caps or something um and they called me directly and they're like, hey, what's your what's your need? We're there. Tell us where to go. And they were so supportive. And I definitely was a little vulnerable with them. And I was like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Like, what do you suggest? Are we all going to get arrested and like detained and like sent out of this country for like, I don't even know, stopping air traffic or something? Um, I just had no idea what quote unquote shutting down an airport would be like. And basically when I spoke to the NLG people, they were like, yeah, you definitely don't want to be responsible for sending like thousands of people to JFK and shutting down an airport because that could count as some, you know, really, really intense crime. And so that's when I changed the wording of the protest from um, whatever it was, shut down JFK to supportive action for the protest already happening at JFK. (laughs) Um, And then it was just sort of time to go there. So... I mean, by that time, it was probably like 1 p.m. And then um, my dad was actually picking up my cat for something. And so he gave me a ride to JFK. And he was really supportive.
0: He wasn't scared or anything?
1: He <laughs> he wasn't scared. He he dropped me off. And as I was leaving, he said, if you get arrested, uh, you know, don't worry, I'll bail you out. Like, good luck. He was He's kind of a, he, he's into the whole resistance effort. <laughs> okay,
0: so let's go back. You arrived at JFK and what happened?
1: Yeah, so I get to JFK um, and I couldn't. I couldn't really find anybody. I was not in the right terminal or not in the right part of the terminal. Um, So I finally find them. So I'm like, shit, I'm just walking around alone. I'm going to bring all these people here. And I don't even know where I'm supposed to be going. Um, So I finally find them. There's probably like, I don't know, 20 people there probably at this point, maybe 30 Um, And it's all the people who did the initial immediate reaction the make the road people and the New York Immigration Coalition. And they had contacts on the inside, I guess, through the ACLU. So they were really, really great at um, sort of, I don't know, spreading information about what was going on inside. And so that got us all really pumped up. Well, can um, and you just
0: explain, like, you've never met these people before. Did they know who you were when you saw them? No. Like, so explain, <laughs> can you explain that? Just like, how did that work?
1: Yeah. So I still don't know them. And I don't think they know me. I So I get to the protest. I don't know who, you know, is there because of me and who is there because of whoever else. Um, but there's this, this one woman in the middle leading the chants. And I sort of go up to her and she makes eye contact with me and she's like, I don't know. I guess she thought I looked like somebody who would not be embarrassed to lead a chance. So she like, you know, coaxes me to the middle of the circle and then it's just her and I leading chance. And then there's, you know, eventually maybe three or four other women who are also leading chance. Um, and that was it. I never got their names. I am barely sure what organization they were with. Although I saw the woman who had coaxed me over, being interviewed by a news channel so i'm assuming she was the face the public face of one of the organizations that organized the initial um protest but yeah it was really not about the individuals at least when i got there it was sort of like all right you're not embarrassed to scream at the top of your lungs in front of hundreds of people come on into the circle like great
0: so you you got there you just kind of walked in you started leading chance and then what
1: yeah, so I kept checking that my Facebook event, and when people posted questions, I would try to post answers, and I would also update the descript- the event description, with time-stamped updates, um, just saying what things were like because a lot of people were concerned about the safety, and some people had kids that they wanted to bring. So I would keep updating the description and the discussion wall of the event, just saying like you know, three ten p.m everything's fine. Police are being polite, like seems totally good for kids, whatever. Um, And so I would keep doing things like that um, as the numbers grew. And a lot of people asked if they could bring anything. So I would respond to them and say, you know, snacks, hand warmers, coffee, and a bunch of people brought all three of those things. So it was actually really, really great that people were posting those types of questions on the Facebook event page because, when I answered them, they brought them. So they were, I mean, it was awesome.
0: So wait, um, you were a supportive movement. Did you ever meet right. the people you were supporting?
1: No. <laughs> I never met them personally. Um, I think they I'm not sure how long the main organizers stayed. And I'm not sure even who they were. Um, because they didn't do their Facebook event um by like an individual person. It was just the organizations were named. So I, I wasn't even really sure who was the person leading them. So
0: can you just explain a little bit about so you're in this situation and it's growing and it's growing. Can you talk a little about just like how the numbers changed, but also just like what your thoughts on what was going on at the time?
1: Yeah. Um well so the numbers changed um very, very rapidly. I mean I feel like every half an hour there was an exponential growth of people. Like it wasn't just double, it was like triple. I mean by five PM or so, it was like the entire JFK Terminal C was people. I mean, we were locking traffic. I remember when I first got there, um, there's a parking garage sort of um, on the left-hand side of where we were. And there was a group of people who hung a sign down from one of like the tiers and the police, you know, told them not to. And then so they sort of got ushered away. And then eventually there were so many people hanging signs down from the parking lot that the police just let them do it. And then there was people even on the roof of the parking lot. I mean, it was crazy, Um, and then insofar as my experience of it was, I mean, I was, I mean, quite literally, I was like shaking the entire time. (laughs) I was just so praying in my head that nothing got violent. You know, I feel like I would be partially responsible if anybody got hurt.
0: So can you talk a little bit about just, you know, everybody was there because people were actually being detained in JFK. Did you ever try to go in the terminal? How did you find out what was going on with the lawyers? Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So basically, um... So I found out what was going on with the lawyers because there was this young guy, I think he was a councilman from Brooklyn, and he, I guess, had direct maybe phone access to the ACLU lawyers inside. And so every sort of 40 minutes, he would do what's called a mic check, which is just sort of when somebody says mic check, and then the protesters echo mic check back until all the protesters are quiet. And then whoever started it says what they need to say. So he did a bunch of those and pretty much updated us every hour on who was still being detained, who was getting let go. And so that's sort of how we got our information um, about what was going on inside. I didn't have any direct um, line into anybody inside, um, but I did go inside the terminal once. Um, I was just going to the bathroom um, and I held up my sign. And I, cause I was at this point, like just really, really filled with adrenaline and I was, you know, holding my sign up, going to the bathroom. And I immediately got swarmed by like five TSA people. And they were like, you can't have that in here. It's not a public space. Like you can go pee, but you have to put down your sign. Like you can't have that in here. And my heart like jumped into my throat. I was like, oh my God, it was so scary. Um, So I just, you know, put my sign down and went pee and then went back out and put my sign back out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was sort of my only um, interaction directly with the TSA people or with the ACLU, the sort of information spreading of that, what's happening inside there.
0: So you, you know, you initially wanted to shut JFK down and I feel like it did kind of get, yeah, at least it did. parts <laughs> of it did get shut down. Can you just talk a little bit about where's the, the limit for you, like for what you wanted to happen in your gut and rationally and what did happen? Where do those things all intersect for this demonstration for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so what I wanted to happen, which I think was reflected in the language of the original event was to shut down JFK. But I basically, you know, in my perfect head, like world head, <laughs> world head, in my, in my perfect world, um, in my head, I would want, you know, basically for protesters to take JFK, basically hostage until the detainees were let go. So basically ground flights and stop people coming in and out of JFK and just be like, look, you guys can't get on with your normal day until these people are released because it's illegal and it's unconstitutional. And, you know, sorry, you can't go on vacation right now or make that meeting in Detroit or whatever, but these are real people who have green cards and this is completely insane. And so, you know, we're going to obstruct normal life until, you know, our demands are met, basically. And I wanted to do that in a peaceful way. Um, I didn't wanna do it by breaking any public property or anything like that, but I I definitely wanted to stop the daily happenings um, to get the most attention possible. And we didn't stop any flights from going in and out of JFK, but we did at the end of it stop traffic. So uh, I left around 6 or 6.30. But there was a third group of organizers um, who I was in contact with directly, who represented a lot of Jewish Americans. And they were coming in to, you know, support the Middle Eastern people who were being detained. And they were updating me, you know, when I was already back home at seven or whatever that there were so many people at this point that like all like the terminal C roadways were totally shut down. Like there's people, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And then the, the taxi workers getting on board with the protests just helped that. And then, um,
0: can you just describe that whole moment? Like, cause you were still there when the taxi workers got, when you heard about it or were you already gone?
1: No, I left like five minutes after I literally, I took a cab back cause I was so cold. Um, I took a cab back and it was like five minutes after that, that I got a uh, Twitter update from somebody just saying that no traffic or the the yellow cab workers unions are not bringing people to or from JFK anymore until um, the detainees are let go, and that was like, oh my god, I was so happy. I was like, I, that was so so cool, and so that's basically exactly what I wanted to happen because that's really obstructing in a peaceful way the normal lives of day to day citizens in a way that. Yeah, it, it, it holds, like, the normal activities hostage until justice is served, which I feel like is exactly what I wanted to happen.
0: You mentioned that it was women leading the action. Uh, can yeah, you talk, it was. Can you talk about there's the Women's March um, and then there was this?
1: So I've been thinking a lot about the difference between what I did at the Women's March and what I did at JFK. And because, you know, I had signs at both of them. I was, you know, basically in the same personal belongings You know, environment. So I had, you know, my jacket and my tea and my sign and whatever. Um, But I think the message of this was so important because it was targeted. So it was at JFK where the detainees were being held. It was just very immediate. So, you know, there's been this sort of thing circulating around social media that the protests just popped out of nowhere. And maybe the group that I brought did, but the, you know, the people who, the New York um, Immigration Coalition, and the Make the Road people and the ACLU, they had sort of been gearing up for an immediate action just so they could be ready at any moment, um, depending on what Trump may or may not do. And so they were the first ones on the scene. And I thought that had a huge effect. And I think, yeah, just the targetedness also the physical location and the immediacy of the reaction made it a lot different than the women's march to me because, well, I think it was a lot more powerful. I mean, and it got even more powerful when the New York City cab um, workers stopped shuttling people to and from JFK in solidarity.
0: So just two things. Can you give me a timeline of when you discovered that the band had been stayed and what was that? Like, just tell me the events that yeah. led up to that and directly after and how that worked for you.
1: Sure. Um, so I was still, so I was, at, I was at home at this point. Um, and I was basically getting, I guess I was getting Facebook messages from people who were in text messages from people who were still on the ground at JFK. And then how
0: are you physically, how are you mentally at this point?
1: Mentally? I mean, I was still going at a thousand miles per hour. I was like, I hadn't eaten like all day. I was just like going crazy. Um, I was really tired. I, I definitely didn't. And I definitely didn't dress warm enough to go to JFK. So I just remember being under my blankets for like four hours shivering. I was just really, really cold. Yeah. So mentally and physically, I was a little bit like, you know, on going a thousand miles per hour, but also my body was like, wait, you need to eat and drink water and you're cold. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I was at home getting text messages and Facebook messages from people still at JFK. And I was trying to update people who were driving down from upstate New York or driving up from New Jersey or something who still wanted to go. I was trying to update them on what was going on at JFK and if they could bring any supplies that were needed or anything like that. And then really, really randomly, an old high school friend of mine, who I guess had seen the Facebook event, reached out to me on Signal, the the private, you know, the encrypted um, text messaging app, and he said that he was at Cadman Plaza. He was like, let me know if you want me to be your person on the ground. And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. That'd be awesome. So he and I were just texting, you know, every 10 minutes. And he was texting me what was going on, if there were supplies needed, how many people there were, what the you know relationship with the police was. When
0: he first texted you, had there were there already a lot of people there or was he one of the first people there? And can you explain why they were at Cadman Plaza?
1: Sure. Um, I don't know if he was one of the first... I don't know when he got there, but I was at this point already directing people to Cadman Square who are not yet at JFK because at this point, the air train was uh, closed to JFK. So everybody who was trying to get to JFK either were messaging me saying that they couldn't because the air train was uh, closed. Um, or why
0: was it closed?
1: It was closed because I guess the... I guess AirTrain is run by a private company. And so they closed the AirTrain to stop the protesters from coming because it was getting too unwieldy. I mean, there was at this point like thousands of thousands of people there. Um, so they closed it. But then um, I guess it was Cuomo who ordered that the AirTrain get reopened later. But, but in between this, um, that's why I was directing people to Cadman Plaza, because I think it was the ACLU. Who initially was on Twitter saying that, you know, if you can't get to JFK, please come show your support at Cadman Plaza because that's where the actual ACLU team is fighting against the ban. And the verdict will be read, you know, around, I don't know what it was, 9 p.m. or something. Um, So because the air train was closed, I was directing people to Cadman Plaza. Um, But then the air train got reopened. So then we just really had two protests going on simultaneously. And yeah, and so that that's when my friend texted me. And I don't know how long he had been there. But he was so helpful. I mean, he just told me as much information as he could. And he was the one who initially told me that the state that the band was stayed. and And what was that like?
0: like it's like so I mean, you, it you woke insane. up this morning like you woke up this morning being like the world is totally fucked and then yeah that so just can you explain like how it felt when the band was stayed
1: i i finally ate something <laughs> i was like okay now we finally did something like now i can eat and like maybe go to bed um I was also, you know, personally kind of jealous that I wasn't there. I was like, "Fuck, I shouldn't have gone home." Like, I didn't realize this would all happen so soon. I really wanted to be there when the band was stayed. Um, but I mean, it was great. I mean, so many people were sending me um, live video streams and pictures, and everybody was cheering. And
0: but, but hold up! Throughout the day, were you positive that? That was going to be the outcome? I mean, were you? Oh my just God, sure I have no that... idea. <laughs> so, can you explain a little bit about that? Just like how you felt during the day? Like, you see all these people here, you see all this movement. Like, did, was it ever in the back of your mind, like, what is this going to do?
1: Yes and no. So, I knew that the ACLU lawyers were taking direct action, you know, through legal routes. So, I just had no idea that it was happening that soon. So, I knew that at least if nothing else, the optics of having people and traffic, well, having people at JFK, but also traffic stopped and having ACLU lawyers, you know, literally in the terminal with their laptops working pro bono on behalf of these immigrants would bolster any case that the New York state could have against, um, or I guess this Brooklyn judge could uh, have against the immigration ban. And I also... Yeah. I also, there was a lot, it was a much different vibe than something like the Women's March. So basically there's the initial initial 11 a.m. protest by all those organizations. Then I sort of came in at like lunchtime. And then um, the other, the the Jewish American organizations came at 6 p.m. onward. And throughout this all, social media was going and going and going, and basically saying who's, it turned into a thing like all right now we're getting reinforcements from this group we're getting reinforcements from this group like we're we're staying all night so there was never even an option of it it wasn't going to end really the the vibe that i was getting and the messages i was receiving on facebook and the other protesters who i was talking to were basically organizing with the end goal of not leaving until something was done so yeah i never I wasn't really ever doubtful that it would have some impact. I just had no idea it would be immediate and I had no idea that it would be so um so big and so like directly directly cumbersome like to uh, directly I guess obstructive to to the general public which I feel like is what protesting is all about.
0: And what did that victory feel like to you?
1: Yeah. I I mean it felt <laughs> It felt so great. I mean, it was so I was so I think since this administration has taken office or begun, I've been really, really critical of all information I heard. So I was at once really, really excited that the ban was stayed. But then I was also like, wait, I actually don't know what the stay even means. So I was reading about it. And basically, I was super excited. And then I got sort of less excited because the information I could get from the ACLU and the the National Lawyers Guild was like, the judge said it seems illegal, but they need more information. So they're stopping the ban until they can get more information. So it wasn't really saying that it was illegal or that it was unconstitutional. It was basically saying, let's just pause the deportations until we can figure out if it actually is illegal or if it actually is unconstitutional. So that was like not quite the victory that I think social media made it seem like it was. So my excitement was like a little bit tampered (laughs) when I read that. But I mean, as long as people were not being deported, I mean, that's a win in and of itself, even if it's temporary. I just hope that, well, I guess now we know from the Seattle court that, um, yeah, the immigration ban is a no-go. So that's, yeah. So all in all, it was wonderful.
0: (laughs) So first of all, thank you so much uh, for taking the time what what was your takeaway? And what would you hope that other people would take away from, from this?
1: My main takeaway, I think, is just that you have to get out on the streets. So I sort of hate the idea of Twitter uh, activism. You know, I mean, I think everybody tweeting a certain hashtag can have some powerful effect or like flooding a congressman's social media with, you know, tags or something could be, you know, relatively effective. But just getting out to the JFK protest, the immigration ban protest, and talk, I spoke to a lot of people on the ground just about why they were there. I mean, anything from why they were there to just sort of like, hey, do you have any snacks? And it really just really just solidifies why you're doing what you're doing. So there are people with kids there. There was this little girl who we let speak into this um, The the megaphone, um, that that her great-grandmother was an immigrant and that she would have been turned away, you know, if this immigration ban were in place then. And just sort of putting faces to all these stupid hashtags and stuff we see on social media. And it was really powerful and it was so much different than just reading about it on the news. And so that would be my one takeaways to sort of protest. Like, even if you feel you don't belong there or even if you're like, am I really a protester? I don't know. Just... Yeah, my one takeaway is just that like, I have to keep showing up, not just keep spreading knowledge and stuff. Like you have to go to the meetings of these organizations that you admire or go to a protest or just get coffee with somebody who's, you know, a protester and just, yeah, just come out from behind the, the computer screen, I guess.
0: Thank you for listening to Mobilize. I'm Corey Choi. And I look forward to seeing you in the streets.